On today's show, fly highing with Ralph Bufano, an Italian who takes airplanes to the next level, and why Marzio Puzzo had to write The Godfather. Plus, wacky news from Italy, music, food, events, all of it right here on West Coast Italian Radio. Alla più piano e nessuno sentirà Il nostro amore lo viviamo io e te E se lo sa la verità E vede il cielo che ci guarda da lassù Insieme a te io resterò Amore mio, sempre così Alla più piano e vieni più vicino a me Voglio sentire gli atti Welcome, everybody, to West Coast Italian Radio, bringing you the Italian radio show on this beautiful, beautiful day here. We are broadcasting to you from 1150 AM KKNW out of the Hubbard Radio Station up at the beautiful Factoria Bellevue where we can, uh, you know, up here on the fifth floor, we have a panoramic view of the sound. It's a little overcast today, but still very, very nice, warm day here. So uh, we're very pleased to be here. Our call-in line, if you'd like to join us on today's show with any comments, questions, or input, is 425-373-5527. That's 425-373-5527. And my name is Tony Lestella. I'm your host. My co-host, Marcia Caputo, uh, is uh, out bringing our guest into the studio, so she'll be with us very, very uh, shortly. And we have a wonderful guest scheduled today, Mr. Ralph Bufano who has uh, just done some amazing things when it's come to airplanes and flight. Kind of not what you would expect, but absolutely taking it to the next level. So uh, we're looking forward to having him in the studio here with us. And I tell you what, we're going to start today with Un Pezzo d'Italia in the Northwest, our Italian news stories, uh, brought to you right here uh, from West Coast Italian Radio. This stuff, by the way, folks, we do not make this up. They say sometimes fiction is more humorous than truth. And, you know, so so be it with the stories we get. All these stories we get from authentic news sources. This first one comes to us from the New York Post story that came out on March 2nd, 2019. This is the one you've been waiting for. This is a story of why Mario Puzzo had to write. Get this. He had to write. The Godfather, okay? It wasn't a choice. He had to write The Godfather, okay? Of course, the late Mario Puzzo, 1960s, he's in, you know, his Long Island house. He has this writing studio, this little tiny nook that's about the size of a class down in the basement, you know, underneath his house, okay? He tells his five kids, keep it down. I'm going to be writing a bestseller here, right? And the kids, they're all laughing, snickering at him because, you know, his previous two books had been anything but a bestseller. His first book, he made like 3500 bucks. The second book, he only made $3,000. So he was like going downhill fast, struggling to make ends meet, okay? And he was running up a lot of debt because this guy liked living the five-star way, but he had like about a two-star budget, okay? So his editor said to him, you know, maybe his next book might do better if he put a little bit of mafia in it, right? And Puzzo, you know, I mean, he was a 
you know, a proud Italian American like a lot of us. And he, you know, he didn't want to be stereotyped. He said, you know, I mean, you know, I don't really want to do this, but he kind of reluctantly agreed just because he needed the dough. Okay. So basically, he sold out. He began to pen this big honking commercial book that would bring him fame and fortune, or at least enough money to get him out of debt. Right. The result was I got The Godfather. The Godfather, a book published 50 years ago. And as promised to his kids, became indeed a bestseller and then some, right? All right, so let's talk about how this began because it wasn't all easy sailing, right? He first started out by writing this 10-page outline, okay, kind of like what the book was going to be about, about the Cor- Corleone family. He took it to his publisher. His publisher passed on it. He said, ah, you know, just it's just going to be another mafia book. What are we going to do with this, right? So... Eventually, he kept working, and he got a meeting with G.P. Putnam's sons, the famous New York publisher, and they gave him the go-ahead, right? But he only got $5,000 as an advance, and it took him three years to write the book because he really didn't want to do it. You know, kind of like, eh, you know, he wanted to write other things, but not really about the mafia, right? So he finally finished it three years later because he was so broke he needed the final installment, you know, on the advance to pay the money to cover his bills, okay? That year, he went to Italy with his family, but he never told his wife that they were so broke that when they got back, they were going to have to sell their house to, you know, to to pay their bills. So, interestingly, it never came to that, all right? So they get back from Italy. They spend the summer in Italy. He comes back expecting the work, suspecting he's going to have to sell everything he owns to pay, you know, to pay off his debt. He gets, uh, you know, he called from his editor to go have lunch with him, right? Gets down, meeting with his editor, finds out that the Godfather paper book rights sold for $410,000. Now, remember, folks, this is back like in, you know, in the early, like 1969, 1970. I mean, that's like worth $3 million today, right? And before they left lunch, the editor gives him $100,000 to pay off his bills, right? So are you kidding me? For the first time in his life, Mario Puzo was flush, okay? And it went on to get even better. The Godfather was the fastest-selling book in history. It sold by, in 1970 alone, that one year, it sold 5 million copies, okay? And by the beginning of 1971, there were 7 million copies in print, okay? Now, we all think, of course, Hollywood you know, comes calling all this stuff that he's going to make a fortune there. But interestingly, the first Godfather movie didn't do squat for Mario Puzo. He didn't make practically any money at all in the movie, okay? So while he was still writing the book, you know, before it got published, before it took off, Paramount Pictures offered him $12,500 for the screen rights. Of course, now back then he's broke, he's struggling, he's trying to make ends meet. So this looks like a small fortune to him, right? Remember, it's 1969, $12,500. It'd be like someone offering you $100,000 right now in today's money, okay? And there was an additional 50000 bucks promised to him if the movie was ever made, okay? So he sold out. So here they make this movie. Now, first of all, you got to remember, the studio didn't really look at this as a big deal. They said, eh, just going to be another, you know, mafia movie. So they wanted to make it as a low-budget film. Every big director that they got 
turned the project down. There was, I mean, nobody who wanted to make the movie, right? Finally, they, they get this young, unknown director, Italian-American director. He did a couple of things, but, you know, not really anything to write home about, named Francis Ford Coppola to direct it. What can I tell you? The rest, like they say, is history, right? Now, another problem with making this movie, at the time that they were, you know, starting to make this movie, the, like 1971, 72, that time frame there, you know, the, the, the mafia movies angered a lot of Italian-Americans. They angered a lot of people, the Sons of Italy. They, they just angered a lot of Italian-Americans across the country because, you know, they were, they were thinking, ah, these mafia movies, they're promoting the Italians being stereotyped like mafia guys. You know, and, and as we all know, there's a very, very small fragment, like probably less than 5% of all the great Italians across the country ever had anything to do with the mafia, okay? Our ancestors have done great things, and yeah, you know, it's publicized, it's Hollywood, they promote a lot of it, but, you know, forget about it. It's not the big deal here. So, you know, the Italian-Americans are very upset that you, they're making another mafia movie, okay? And interestingly, real-life mafia boss, Joe Colombo, he was especially irritated that they were making another mafia movie. I don't know what that story was about, but he was really not ups- not happy about it, right? So they made... I mean, this guy made filming in New York City impossible for the studio. I mean, they controlled all the unions, and they just really made it a rough time. Finally, finally the producer went to Colombo. They had to agree that they would take the word mafia out of the movie script. And you notice, when they talk in the movie, they never say mafia. They say the family. you got to help the family. you got to do this for the family, you know. That was because Colombo said, so you got to take it out of here. So after that, you know, then they, they allowed the movie to go about got produced pretty easily after that with everybody but Frank Sinatra. Now, Frank Sinatra, he was really hacked off. Okay, Sinatra just was not to be satisfied here. When the movie came out, movie reviewers speculated that the mobbed-up crooner Johnny Fontaine, we all remember Johnny Fontaine in the movie, that, that that guy was based on Sinatra's life, okay? Now, of course, you know, they brought up the whole thing with, uh, you know, Kind of trying to tie in with Tommy Dorsey the, and the horse head and all this thing. But, you know, Mario puts it, nah, that wasn't it at all. It was just a coincidence, okay? He denied the thing from the start, but still Sinatra was not happy about it. And apparently they met like about a year later at a dinner party and, and uh, Sinatra was, you know, li- li- literally threatened to do bodily harm to Mario Puzzo as the story goes. However, whatever the controversy might be, no one can argue that even with that limited budget, even with trying to make it a, you know, a low-budget film with an unknown director at that time, the film went on to become one of the greatest movies ever, won several Academy Awards, including the Best Picture, and, of course, Mario Puzzo won for the Best Screen, you know, Writer of the Year, the Best Screenplay. And there were a lot of actors, folks, a lot of actors we think of them now as, you know, big-time famous actors, but think about it. A lot of these guys got their start, or, you know, they were not well-known until that movie came out. You got Al Pacino, you got, uh, of course, Brando was well-known, but there were so many other actors in that movie that um, now they're big-time actors that really got their start because of the se- success of The Godfather and, of course, the subsequent Godfather movies. Before we go to sponsor break, kind of a side note here. Interestingly, as I said, since The Godfather, you know, was the first screenplay that Puzo ever wrote. He wrote the book, of course, got, 
you know, bestseller on the New York Times. But then, you know, he wrote the screenplay. A lot of times you don't hire the writer of the book to actually write the screenplay because they think, you know, he's not going to be objective. But Putsu made a deal. You know, he, he wrote the screenplay with, uh, the, with, with uh, Francis Ford Coppola. Okay? And the bottom line was uh, after he won the Academy Award for writing the screenplay, of course, he gets all these offers from studios, oh, we want you to be, you know, our screenwriter for this project, for that project. He knew nothing about writing screenplays, right? So he buys a book. And this, his son tells this story. He buys the book, brings it home on how to write screenplays, right? He opens up the first page of the book. He reads the first line in the book that says, The Godfather was the best screenplay ever written. After that, he says, forget about it. And he throws the book away. <laughs> and there you go. That's the... Uh, that's the real story of why Mario Puzzo wrote The Godfather. Now I have my lovely co-host who is here with me in the studio, Marzia. Marzia Caputo. What do you think about that? You hear that, you know? Hello. Hey, ciao a tutti. I just arrived. Hey, I know you, you do. Doing, I, know, I know you've been <laughs> out there trying to get our guest here. Uh, we're going to really be really happy to talk with you a little bit more about Ralph. Uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, but, but first, we're going to go to a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. After this message from our sponsors. Quando notte se ne scene, parusha chi stuo chi stake, quando vele tu me Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. The owner of a local liquor store told me to forget the flavors, so I make only vodka-flavored vodka, smooth and gluten-free. 80-proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Tito'sVodka.com. Yo, David, you look 10 years younger. What happened? Yeah, I just came from Mickey's Hair Salon down on the Tacoma waterfront. She specializes in hair growth. Wow. Yeah, she does this laser treatment stuff that makes your hair grow like crazy, based on the same stuff the astronauts use to grow plants in the space station. Mickey's Hair Salon. Yes, on Rustin Way in Tacoma. Call Mickey at 253-752-5299 for more information. That's MickeySpotAndSalon.com for amazing hair growth. Hey, Dad, thanks for helping me cook this Italian meal. We gotta pass down our family recipes. Your food is always so good. What's the secret? Having the best authentic ingredients, like the Cicernio sausage, for instance. Fresh cuts of meat with no preservatives. I remember what my friend Frank Isernio said. All natural Italian sausages to make the perfect Italian meal. No wonder it tastes so good. Available in major supermarkets up and down the West Coast. Isernio Sausage. Visit Isernio.com for recipes or to find a store near you. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, we became the first micro distillery in the state of Texas, and we're still making the same smooth stuff after all these years. We're still cooking in a pot still, working with our dogs by our sides, having fun and tasting batches, and I'm still wearing the same hat, even after all these years. Head over to titosvodka.com to learn more about what else we're doing the same. Cheers. 80 proof Tito's handmade vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Titosvodka.com Hey Marcia, I want to go to Italy, but the trips are so expensive, and the accommodations mezza mezza. You got to use La Casella Agriturismo. La Casella Agriturismo? Tell him, Gianpaolo. Family-owned country house in the heart of Italy with a rustic setting. Agriturismo, a unique way to stay in Italy. Wow, there's nothing like that in the States. And the La Casella, owned by my family, is one of the best. 
Reasonably priced, it's like being in Tuscany without the crowds. And from La Casella, you can easily visit Rome, Florence, Tuscany, or Venice. Vacation like a real Italian. For more information, visit the West Coast Italian Radio website at wcir.biz and click on the logo for La Casella. Giving local voices a chance to shine. Alternative Talk, 1150. You're listening to the music of Tony Lestal and the Goombas, the house band of the West Coast Italian Radio Network here. And we're so pleased to be a part of this show, uh, appearing in different Italian festivals and events up and down the West Coast of the United States here and we just uh, we just love being a part of the Italian radio show with everything from opera to Frank Sinatra to uh, modern Italian pop music. And I have my lovely co-host here, Marzia Caputo, the one and only who finally got through the traffic, right? So I want to say hello to everyone. And uh, I'm so glad you are still there waiting for me because I know Tony was talking for a long time. I figure I couldn't <laughs> like, you know... I mean, the show isn't the show if she doesn't feed me, right? Yeah. She's supposed to bring this big Italian recipe today, so come on. So you're you know? already complaining about that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like thinking, I'm, 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 I'm not going to make it through the hour, you know? <laughs> Poor guy. What's so you next? know what is happening hmm. now, Marzia? What's happening? Our good friend, Giuseppe Pizzano, mm-hmm. and the Olympic Soccer Academy that is right. down uh, you know, in the south end there, they have their season coming up. And what they do every year is they bring... Wonderful young Italian players, anywhere from the age of about 18 to 22, 23. They bring mm-hmm. them here to the Northwest. They get them uh, playing with our uh, our young people here. Uh, and they put on a great season of soccer, uh, playing different games up and down the West Coast here. And what's really neat about this mm. is that there's an opportunity for people, if they want to host some of these soccer players, some of these Young people, male, female, from about the mm-hmm. age of 18 to 22 in your home, uh, from the months of probably about April, May till about uh, July, August, there's a great opportunity to do that. It's just, so you know, 18, 20, uh, what's the well, age? They're, 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 they're around 18 years old. It's uh-huh. with the starting age till about 22, 23. Uh, when you can host an Italian boy or girl, it's fun, rewarding. Um, it's great to learn about their traditions and lifestyles and share yours with them. And just just a wonderful, wonderful thing. We've had some great experiences with exchange students over the year. Right. A lot of people are hesitant because they're going to take the whole year, but you're only talking here about just, you know, two, three months months just during the season. The question is this. Does it have to be just in Seattle or you can leave anywhere around here? Well, I think that uh, it's, you know, the the, the central Seattle, Pierce County, Snohomish County. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I think it, it goes on from there. So, folks, please go online, contact the Olympic Soccer Academy and find out how you can get involved with this great program. Now, Marcia, mm. you know, I got a really, really wonderful person here. This guy's name is Don Riggin. And okay. Don, remember that fantastic New Year's Eve show that we did at Pellegrino's Italian restaurant down in yes. uh, in Olympia, down in Tumwater there? Tumwater, yeah, yes. yeah. Great, great time. Everybody had this, our third year doing it. Right. Um, we could not do these shows down there if it weren't for our sponsors. And Don right. Riggin, who is just a great guy, he's a loan officer, was one of our sponsors. We want to welcome Don to the Italian radio show here on the West Coast Italian Radio Network. Hey, Don, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing very well, thanks. And you? Fantastic. So we want to uh, 
Just thank you so much for sponsoring our New Year's Eve show at Pellegrino's Event Center down there in the Olympia Tumwater area. Is you know the only really Italian New Year's Eve in the entire Pacific Northwest, and it was just really wonderful that you sponsored that event. It was my pleasure. Now tell us a little bit about what you do and who you do it for, and you know a little bit about what your business is all about. Well, I work for a company named Commerce Home Loans, and we do residential home loans, and we do everything from the first-time home buyer to the ones who bought multiple homes. We do conventional, we do FHA, PA, uh, first-time home buyers, and I even do some reverse mortgages. Wow, that sounds pretty amazing. And I imagine that down in that area, you also probably do a lot of things working with uh, veterans and uh, with some of our military people too, right? Yes, we do. In fact, we like to do VA loans. I spent some time in the Army, and doing a, a veteran's loan is a real pleasure. And how long have you been doing this? Oh, about 15 years, more or less. That's Mostly fantastic. <laughs> now, we, I, you know, I've seen a lot of things lately, of course, in the New York Times, so Wall Street Journal about, you know, interest rates, this and that. So tell us you know, a little bit about what's going on right now and why people should be looking into buying a home. Well, the feds did not raise the interest rates the last time they met last week. So interest rates are actually creeping down a little bit. Home prices are actually going up a little bit. But it's still, you know, there's no time to buy like now. And I tell some of my clients, you know, if they want to buy an investment property, look at a duplex or fourplex mm-hmm. rather than a single family. If it's a single family home, if your tenant moves out, you're, you're losing some rent. Right, so right. Duplex or fourplex, you still have people there who are paying, making the payments for you. That's a great that's idea. It's a, a good investment, I think. Really good that's fantastic. Yeah. That's fa- You know, that's kind of what Marcy and I want to do in Italy. Mm-hmm. We're going to get a place around Lake Como. Right. And when we're not going to be there, we're going to rent it out to people, you know. So, so they pay it uh, off exactly. and then it's our There you work. go. You know? So, uh, Don, how can people get a hold of you to find out more? I mean, it sounds like you really got a handle on uh, on the, uh, you know, how to help people to buy a home, how to qualify for loans, depending what their situation is. First-time buyers, multiple-time buyers, commercial, personal, or VA. Tell us how people can get a hold of you and find out more. Well, my cell phone is 360-556-8792. I can go to um, send me an email at driggan at commerce mortgage. And that's just mtg.com. All right, folks, again, where that cell phone is 360-556-8792. Give this fellow a call. He's a great guy. He really supports the Italian community. He supports veterans. And, Don, we really appreciate having you on the show. God bless you. We look forward to talking with you soon. Well, thank you, Tony. Like I said, it's been my pleasure. Take care. All right, Marcia, now, you know, this is my favorite mm-hmm. part of the radio show. Right. What this is where she feeds me, folks. That's... I mean, you know, I mean, I purposely don't even eat lunch. So, I mean, I have just a cocktail lunchtime, so I'm a little bit buzzed, you know, because I figure she's going to, you know, give me some food. I'm going to absorb it up a little bit, you a know. a little bit used, a little bit. Hey, what do you mean? I bring you a cocktail. Oh. We, do, we, yeah. we, we do this every, remember, some, sometimes I help. Next week we have Tito's Vodka. They're in the so. Forget about it. I got you covered, okay? I should bring some bread. So today we're going to, and this, <laughs> by the by the way, folks, this segment, which is our food and our beverage segment, is graciously sponsored by our wonderful host and sponsor, Tito's Vodka, 
We love Tito's Vodka. In fact, Joey DeMarco, a good Italian boy who runs the whole Tito's Vodka for the Northwest here, he's going to be on the program next week bringing us some new cocktails. But this week, my lovely co-host here is Frittata di Zucchine e Cipolle. Cipolle. So tell us a little bit what that means. Really simple. It's uh, frittata is eggs, and you uh, put zucchini, zucchini, squash, green, what do you call it, the green squash, Right, right, right. And then onion. Simple as that. You can, uh, um, we use a lot in Italy, like a second, like a a side dish, a second, you know, Uh plate. uh It's really easy with the vegetable you're putting on. Or a lot of people start to use it like, uh, this is new, like uh, appetizer. Gotcha. I start to do a little bite, a little piece of bread. I start to do it like same thing, like a f- with frittata. Like I said, frittata is something the grandma, every house they used to make. It. You know, what I mean, we have nothing else left. We have eggs. We're gonna make something. La frittata. You can put potato. You can put anything you want inside. Even plain. Gotcha. Just, uh, well, so I tell you what. While you get the ingredients out, I'm gonna read to yeah. people what it's all about here. Okay. So here's this is very easy to make, folks. All you need to have for your ingredients is you need zucchini. You need a big onion, you need three eggs, a couple spoons of Parmesan, some salt, pepper, and, and extra virgin olive oil, okay? And then just to read Marcia's recipe, you slice the onions and the zucchini thin, put them in a pan, you, you know, cook them for about five minutes with the olive oil, okay, till they're nice and soft. In a separate bowl, you break the eggs and add the salt and pepper, the mozzarella, and, or, I'm sorry, the Parmesan. It's, uh, the Parmesan. You're confused. Yeah, exactly, you know, my... my <laughs> And then, you know, whisk it up really good, you know, and make it nice and fluffy. Add it to the pan, then with your, you know, where you're sauteing your onion, your mush, and your uh, zucchini. And then, you know, you basically cook it like a frittata, okay? Frittata. Um, and uh, when it's done, it's all ready to eat. This is great for breakfast. It's great for uh, all kinds of things. Right. And you know what? It's really important to me, Marcy, about this is, ladies and gentlemen, we have the great honor, the great privilege of having... Just joined us here in the studio, none other than the one and only Ralph Bufano. So this is a true Italian boy, okay? <laughs> We're going to have Ralph tell us, you know, what he thinks of uh, this uh, frittata. Say hello here. to everybody, Ralph. Get close to that microphone. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Wonderful to have you. Okay, so uh, frittata di zucchine e cipolle. So let's see how, no. how it is. A lot of different plays. Give, even give the Ralph the first bite, okay? And then we'll give a bite to Eric and... Uh, okay. I didn't even test it yet. I made it before. I hope it's good. <laughs> anyway, um, in the Nord, again, you know what they put inside the frittata? No. And they what? make it a little bit more thick? Milk. Milk? Really? Play, wow. I think. Yeah. But uh, you can put the milk and make it a little more fluffy. Give gotcha. it a little bit higher. Because frittata is, is the um, eggs look like a squish, like a disco. So. Ralph, what do you think of that, 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 that Italian frittata that she It made? reminds me of home. Oh, Fantastic. Give that to Eric. Give that one there. Here you go, Eric. You take that one. Do something, Got to keep our engineer uh, in good shape here, okay? Right. So, um, yes. Yeah, so, you know, this is really quite amazing um, because right. it's kind of like, you know, the Italian, uh, you know, this is great Italian omelet. The, so they eat this in, in Italy, like for breakfast? Wait, when when no. typically? Breakfast, yeah. remember, we don't put food like this. We just have a coffee and maybe a brioche yeah, or yeah. a Ooh, kid's Nutella really sandwich. Good. But we don't have eggs in the morning. No, we don't. The only things uh, you have is lunch or dinner. 
Like in the summertime, mm. we use a lot of frittata, like we mozzarella, a tomato on the side, and it's really good with the juice of tomato, go right in the, mm. the frittata. Really it's great. really good. Yeah. So oh, it's something really fast. You can put anything you want. People put salsiccia inside. Um, like I say, it's a plate, like you have leftover, and you want to make something. Um, now I'm happy you're feeding me, okay? Okay, so he, he doesn't talk no more. Do you see that, what happened? <laughs> I should give more food for him so your, he can stop completely. Your job is secured for another week. Okay? Oh, thank you. I was thinking about that. And on that, that note, folks, <laughs> we're going to go to a sponsor break to say thank you to all of our wonderful sponsors, without whom we could not do this program. Please support these folks. Uh, we love all of our sponsors. We'll be right back. After this short commercial break. Hey, Dad, thanks for helping me cook this Italian meal. We gotta pass down our family recipes. Your food is always so good. What's the secret? Having the best authentic ingredients, like the Cicernio sausage, for instance, fresh cuts of meat with no preservatives. I remember what my friend Frank Cicernio said all natural Italian sausages to make the perfect Italian meal. No wonder it tastes so good. Available in major supermarkets up and down the West Coast, Cicernio sausage. Visit Cicernio.com for recipes or to find a store near you. Pacific Food Importers has been distributing Mediterranean food products in the greater Seattle area since 1971. Beginning as an olive import company, PFI has evolved into a well-known wholesale food distributor in the Pacific Northwest, servicing restaurants, grocers, manufacturers, and caterers. Family-owned and operated, PFI stocks a wide variety of cured meats, specialty cheeses from around the world, and a vast range of Mediterranean products. PFI's service area includes the greater Puget Sound region and Portland, Oregon. Situated in North Kent, PFI has a central location allowing for efficient service and delivery, as well as convenient will-call pickups for established customers in Seattle. Pacific Food Importers Incorporated is committed to providing quality products at competitive prices to the food service industry of the Pacific Northwest. Visit PacificFoodImporters.com for more information or to contact us. Hi, I'm Tito Beverage, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. When I got into this business, I used to make flavored vodka infusions for my friends as gifts. When I started to make a go of it, the owner of a local liquor store showed me the dust on some flavored vodka bottles that sat on the shelves. He said, if you can make a straight vodka so smooth that you could drink it just by itself, then you'd really have something. So I did. And now all these years later, we still only make one flavor, vodka flavored vodka. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Tito'sVodka.com. Hey, David, where are you off to? I'm on my way to Mickey's Hair Salon down on the Tacoma waterfront. Wow. She's the hairdresser of the stars. They all love her. Really? She's fantastic. A full-service spa and salon with all the amenities from cuts and award-winning color to nails, lashes, Botox, even Reiki. So why do you go there? Uh, she's going to make me look like Elvis. Mickey's Hair Salon on Rustin Way in Tacoma. Call Mickey at 253-752-5299 for more information. Get inspired every hour right here on Alternative Talk 1150. All right, folks, we are back at the Italian Radio Show, part of the West Coast Italian Radio Network, and I am really thrilled the good friend of mine, one of my scotch-drinking buddies from the Rainier <laughs> Club, you know, this guy has had such a career in the aviation industry, but not what you would think, okay? So now, most people think, oh, yes, he's, he's a pilot or he does, you know, 
Now, this guy is the quintessential guy in the world. If you want to build a museum with airplanes, you're going to call Mr. Ralph Bufano. Ralph, welcome to West Coast Italian Radio. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate it. So you literally, I, I mean, my wife and I, my kids, over the years, we have enjoyed that Boeing Museum. This is before I knew you. We have enjoyed it so many times down there. And and you basically were the driving force that made it what it is today. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, uh, while I was at the museum, which is about over 15 years, uh, we decided what we were going to build because we were a growing museum and we had to decide a direction. So as we, as we looked at the collection, what we wanted to be, we started collecting aircraft and a memorabilia. So in that process, it's funny because being Italian, uh, I looked at the aircraft in the collection. We didn't have an Italian plane. Really? Wow. But the uh, Seattle Italian Club saw the Fiat uh, 991, which is a, uh, a unique aerobatic plane from the Italian Air Force. Wow. That was uh, used by the Frecci Tricolori. Frecci Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, it was, it's a great plane, and it's been in the collection for years. So in this process, we started collecting World War I aircraft. Jeez, wow. And in that process, uh, I was hiring a curator from the Air Force Museum, and he came to Seattle, and we talked, and he said, well, you know, at the Air Force Museum, we collected one of the Italian bombers from no World kidding. War I. Wow. I said, what do you mean, Italian bomber, World War I? He says, well, you got to understand, before World War I, Italy was at war with Libya. Uh-huh. And the Capronis in, in Italy were building bombers when nobody else had them. Oh, jeez. So they were carrying 3,000-pound bombs in World mm. War, before World War I. So everybody came to Italy, and the Americans bought Italian bombers. We sent pilots to Italy to learn how to fly them. Mm. But Caproni, Count Caproni, who had a massive factory in Italy, just outside of Milan, oh. uh, he had these observation planes and before World War I started, he looked at his planes and he said, you know, these observation planes, they look and see where the troops are and they radio back what they have found. He decided, well, what if I put a machine gun on this plane? Mm-hmm. Because right now, if two observation planes saw each other, they would shoot with their pistols or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... When I and my curator says, I think there's a plane in Italy you would like, and it's it uh, it's got a machine gun on it. So I said, Oh, so I talked to the board and they sent me to Italy. Of course, I kind of liked that, you know. <laughs> and, Painful uh, trip. And yeah. I went to meet the Capronis, and they took me to a monastery mm-hmm. on their property in northern Italy, and hidden in the second floor of the monastery were all these planes. No. Oh. Yeah, how'd they get them on the second floor of the monastery? They took them apart and put them up there. Oh, my God. That is the God. Italian people. Oh, how geez. they do things. They wow. were afraid that between <laughs> yeah. World War One and World War II, they would be hit, they would be destroyed. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So they hid it in the monastery. 
This plane had been there for over 85 years. Wow. And I'm looking at this plane, which was unbelievable. He built it before World War I. Jeez. Uh And, see, the war started later in 1914. He built this six months before the war. Mm -hmm. So he pulled out this plane, which was faster than anything else Mm -hmm. flying. Wow. He modernized it. He put this machine gun, and he and of course the French and everybody were there to buy planes. Right. And they looked at this thing and they said, "Why do we want that? We want the bombers. We don't want that plane." Right. So we hit it because <laughs> every other plane was flying at seventy-five right. miles an hour. Right. right. This plane flew one hundred and ten miles. Holy an hour. smoke! Oh. Wow. <laughs> so he hit it. Anyway, so I went to Italy and I went to see this plane. At that time, I didn't know it was the first fighter ever built. Jeez. So. The first fighter. Yeah. So all the dogfights. In like the that, world. That was the father of the dogfights. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. the father of Top Gun. <laughs> I, I just couldn't. So I, I didn't Beautiful. know. So I called my curator. I said, mm. is this the first monoplane with one wing? Uh, I, I don't. What am I looking at? So he researched it. He came back. He says. That's the first fighter in the world. Wow. So I negotiated with the Caproni family. There's two counts called Temberto and Giuseppe and Mm -hmm. uh, Maria Feda, the Contessa. Mm -hmm. And they had all the the planes. So I said, you know, if your father is to be known Mm -hmm. for what he has achieved, this plane needs to come to America. Uh So they... Talked and we for a few days. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I, they came back and they said, "Okay, you can take this to America." So in the Museum of Flight, on the second floor of World War Two, World War One, is oh. the first fighter in the world. Wow, Look at that, that is so cool. We have a, we're looking at a picture, picture of this, so we're gonna get a picture of this from you. We'll put it on mm-hmm. the website. Just send me that. We'll let uh, you. Yeah. So we'll how do you guys brought it here on the stage, well, piece so by then piece? I, I had our staff uh-huh. fly to Italy oh. to w- disassemble the plane with them showing him how mm-hmm. it comes apart. The fabric on this plane yeah. is the same fabric that was on it in 1914. Oh. Wow. That is amazing. That is so amazing. It's really, u- really yeah, unique. That's uh, really cool. So, And now the museum in Italy mm. has contacted us and said, you know, the Frecci Ticolori plane you have, uh-huh. we don't have. <laughs> so now we're sending this plane back to Italy. That's oh, really great. What a beautiful <laughs> look at that. Yeah, that's really cool. That is so cool. Help each other. I love it. So, you know, it's interesting me. because a lot of people don't realize, I mean, of course, that in many ways, flight, as we know it, I mean, planes and that, really started with like, you know, um, Leonardo da Vinci back, oh, you know, centuries a, ago. I mean, he was de- designing stuff, mm-hmm. and, you know, I don't know if we ever got anything off the ground, but, I mean, the point is, yeah. is, yeah. you know, there's so much of that. We think of the Wright brothers here, but this preceded a lot of that stuff, you well, know? Well, in the entrance to the museum, there's three gliders mm. and one ahead of it, which was designed by Leonardo da Vinci. It never flew. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. Leonardo said that it may not be for him, right? But right. it be for someone else, 
but man will fly. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, so the volunteers at the museum took all of the drawing of Leonardo and they built one of his planes that he said could be human yeah. powered. That's really cool. And it's in the lobby when you come in. Wow, oh, that's, that's so cool. beautiful. So now I know that uh, you you were telling me that there is a lot. Like, uh, and I've read this too that a lot of times they're testing planes. They actually will do some of the tests in Italy because of the they, they have good pilots there and stuff. Is that correct? Well, they did. Uh, now, of course, uh, the United States has led yeah in, yeah. Uh, in aviation and space. Right, right. Uh, well, coming up now is going to be an exhibit of the first landing on the moon. Yeah. Apollo, oh, wow. Apollo 11. That's very cool. So that's going to be really exciting, and I think it opens in next month. Hmm. So, Ralph, now I, since you've left the museum, what what are you doing now? With your, <laughs> I know besides you, we, we, we get together every month for scotch tasting at the Rainier Club. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, you know. But what? But I know you like do other things. You consult with museums and yes. stuff and well, the Museum of Flight has made me president emeritus because I. Oh, that's fantastic! Uh, so I well deserved. I uh, I don't do anything, but uh, <laughs> I if they ask me, I can tell them something. Um, but I consult with museums all over the United States. I've even uh, presented a museum for Russia, a wow. museum for China, uh, but all over the United States. Uh, last week, I. Returned from uh, Texas. Wow! Is this all specifically when it related to uh, um, exhibits for like airplanes or aeronautics type of thing, or what? Well, aviation museums are in a transition. Uh-huh. Before they had these beautiful artifacts, and they would park a plane, they put a little placard in front of it. And that was all that was needed because most of the visitors that came in with their grandson or their sons or daughters, they would look at this plane, and the story of that plane was in their head. They flew it. They wow. built it, or they worked on it. Yeah, yeah. They The plane at came some, alive right, because right, right. of their memories. Yeah. Well, yeah. those people are all dying. Uh, so now when you display an aircraft, you have to tell a story. Plane. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but the, don't go away. We have some more questions. We're going to talk a little bit more here. Folks, we'll be right back after this short break with Ralph Bufano talking about all the wonderful things with historical airplanes. <laughs> Hey, Marcia, I want to go to Italy, but the trips are so expensive and the accommodations mezza mezza. You got to use La Casella Agriturismo. La Casella Agriturismo? Tell him, Gianpaolo. Family-owned country house in the heart of Italy with a rustic setting. Agriturismo, a unique way to stay in Italy. Wow, there's nothing like that in the States. And the La Casella, owned by my family, is one of the best. Reasonably priced, it's like being in Tuscany without the crowds. And from La Casella, you can easily visit Rome, Florence, Tuscany, or Venice. Vacation like a real Italian. For more information, visit the West Coast Italian Radio website at wcir.biz and click on the logo for La Casella. 
Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In the mid-90s, I bought a piece of land in Austin with a credit card check and built the very first micro distillery in the history of the state of Texas. I'd never built a still before, so I did some research and designed and built my own pot stills based on Prohibition-era bust photos I found in the library. I didn't know then that this was kind of the start of the American craft distilling movement right here in Austin, Texas. Cheers. 80-proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Tito'sVodka.com. Yo, David, you look 10 years younger. What happened? Yeah, I just came from Mickey's Hair Salon down on the Tacoma waterfront. She specializes in hair growth. Wow. Yeah, she does this laser treatment stuff that makes your hair grow like crazy, based on the same stuff the astronauts use to grow plants in the space station. Mickey's Hair Salon. Yes, on Ruston Way in Tacoma. Call Mickey at 253-752-5299 for more information. That's MickeySpotAndSalon.com for amazing hair growth. Hey, Dad, thanks for helping me cook this Italian meal. We got it passed on our family recipes. Your food is always so good. What's the secret? Having the best authentic ingredients, like the Cicernio sausage, for instance. Fresh cuts of meat with no preservatives. I remember what my friend Frank Cicernio said. All natural Italian sausage to make the perfect Italian meal. No wonder it tastes so good. Available in major supermarkets up and down the West Coast is Cernio Sausage. Visit Cernio.com for recipes or to find a store near you. Real people, real life, real radio. Alternative Talk, 1150. All right, we're listening to our Artist of the Week here on West Coast Italian Radio Network. Annalisa Scarone, or better known just as Annalisa with Mr. Rain. This is is the new sound and the new face of Italian pop music today, folks. Check it out. So what do you think about that, Marcia? This I is like, the, you know, this, the new stuff that the kids are listening to. You know. I know, I know. So, you know, this is kind of like, uh, it's, it reminds you a lot of what's going on here in America. You have kind of that, you know. A little bit of that soul see, blues thing going into the rap, you know, coming remember in. Remember you know? that we coming from Italy, we are a little bit behind. Like here, you're <laughs> yeah, already yeah, ahead. Yeah. But before we started with rap, it was Giovanotti, 1994. It was Giovanotti, yeah, yeah, a famous yeah. DJ, and he started with the rap, only rap. This one is new, what you guys were ahead. Yeah, exactly. It started to be rap and singing at the same time, and which I love it because sometimes it's nice rap, but when you hear talking all the time, it's like, <gasps> put some words like singing. So this I like it. It's a That's good a beautiful, mix. beautiful young artist, Annalisa Scarone, mm-hmm. born in 19, 1985, and mm-hmm. uh, she's recorded four albums, 16 sing- singles. She has three platinum discs and uh-huh. five gold discs, sold over 305,000 copies, and she's doing this with a guy named Mr. Rain, mm-hmm. a guy born in um, Brescia, Italia, okay, a rapper, producer, um, and, you know, they do a lot of stuff for the young people there. And I think this is really great. We need to get more of this here happening at our so. Italian festival. So if you want to you know? listen more, just Google it, Annalisa. We will. And Undomani. Absolutely. There's a song. You can see all the... At the album. end of the at the show, we'll put that on for as we go out, okay? Eric, let people hear a little more of that there. So mm-hmm. uh, thank you very much. You, You're welcome. You brought this to us there, know. you know, Marzia. I, know. I help so, you. you know, I'm here for something. There you go. All right. All right. So... <laughs> Now we're back here with Ralph Buffano. Ralph, mm-hmm. uh, this has just been really great uh, talking about all the stuff that you uh, have done with the Museum of Flight and all the things that you know you continue to do as a consultant and working with different museums around the world. Your family came from what part of Italy? Uh, they came uh, from Apulia, uh, a little village called Castellaneta. The hill. I see. With the hill or yeah, the boot? Uh, gotcha. And so what, what was the year that they came to America? 
Well, my father came first uh, through Ellis Island, so it would be in the 1920s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Early 20s. My family came through there, too. Yeah, Yeah. 1920. And uh, and he worked here for five years, and then he accumulated money and bought uh, olive groves in Italy and uh, some uh, some bakeries. And then he went back to Italy because there was no women in America. He had to get married. <laughs> so he, he went back to Italy. At least there's no woman who spoke wife. good Italian, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you guys, it looks like you uh, grew up in, in Rochester, New York. Yeah. I grew up in Binghamton, New York. I, so, you know, <laughs> we're, we're practically neighbors there. And I, we, I have lots of friends. Steve Rice, uh, our, our great uh, pianist and accordionist with the Goombas, is from there as well. Um, and so then it sounds like you had actually uh, a family of pilots that you, right? <laughs> so tell us about that. Well, <clears throat> my my grandfather was uh, Rafael Bufano. Okay. And uh, so everybody named their son Rafael. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Ah, <laughs> now we got it. <laughs> so, Rafael Forte, uh, he became a pilot in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, Ralph Casamassima. He became a pilot in the Air Force, and so of course I joined the Air Force to fly. (laughs) (laughs) But you never actually became a pilot, right? Um, No, they after uh, after pilot training, I was between uh, Korea and Vietnam. Yeah, they didn't need pilots, (laughs) so they put me in air-to-air missiles. Uh, Mm -hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. (laughs) So then, when you got out of the uh, of the Air Force. Uh, you went to the University of Minnesota. You went to Harvard School wow. uh, for Arts Administration, and you got into doing museums. It sounds like I was reading your uh, your biography. Different places around the country, eventually landing here uh, in Seattle when they needed. They were just starting up this project, Boeing, you know, the great Boeing company here, done so much for our community, starting this project where they wanted to have a museum of flight they needed somebody. They had, I, I guess, a little museum gone, but they really needed somebody who had the wherewithal to take you it see, to the next level. He said something through before, like if you are like a different generation in the past, you go to the museum, you knew to look for it. Oh, I know this aircraft. You know my grandpa saw things like that. Now the new generation does have no clue. So we need people really to explain and make it fun to make understand what, what happened in the past, to never forget that, and where they're coming from. And that's what's happening now with the new generation. They don't have not too much clue oh, at yeah, all. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, plus, aviation is a great motivator for mm-hmm. children. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, Everybody wants to fly. Uh, I mean, so come on. <laughs> it, it's, it's multi-generation. Yeah, yeah. And now what they are seeing is there's such a need for scientists, for mm-hmm. engineers. Sure. That you can use aviation as a motivator Absolutely. to get them excited about right. space, to yeah, get about yeah. flight, uh, and that's what I love about what you did with the Boeing Museum mm. of Flight. I remember the last time I was there; it's been a couple of years. I took one of my grandkids, and I hadn't been there for a few years before. You know, it had been a few years before I'd been back, and all the interactive stuff was just amazing. I mean. Not just the flight simulators, but just going through the museum. Like you say, it was like just going through it. I, you, you, the experience of being, you know, being a part of it, you felt like. I was pregnant. My father came from Italy to come to help me, you know. And I remember I have a little one and the second one in my belly that after one week of delivery. So it was the excitement of the plane. <laughs> 
<laughs> to see the plane. But I remember I was inside the museum and, uh, you know, you can go inside, sit down on it, everything. I could not do that because I'm at this huge belly. <laughs> I was so disappointed. I got to go back here. Well, we're going to go back. We, we should do it. We, we actually should set a time when when we go with you, Ralph, mm-hmm. and you can like just walk us through. And, you know, we, we actually have a portable studio that we should do a oh, follow up thing where we can like we did at Festa, where we go through and we I love just, you know, record some stuff for the show. You know, well, it's so. it's, uh, it's so exciting now mm-hmm. because we have one of the finest collections in the world i mean on par with all of the national museums absolutely we're the largest private air and space museum in the world Hmm. well i have to tell you i I remember oh jesus probably been close to 20 years that i was at the smithsonian in washington dc then the museum of flight there and i gotta tell you i think our museum here is every bit as impressive if not more so with the interactive things that are going on well you know? the, the smithsonian museum is a wonderful museum yeah and, yeah and it's our nation's uh, aviation and space museum but their mission is different than ours right ours right. is more to teach yes and we yes. have a four-year high school as part of the museum wow oh, i didn't know that wow you know and i could see now where the you know, where the the whole idea for Boeing would be to do this because, of course, you know, this is the Boeing company. They, they're all about flight, not only flight as we perceive it now, but the next generation and space right. flight and everything. And, yeah, like you say, they want to engage young people. When we go there, we feel so engaged in this museum because mm-hmm. you have all this interactive stuff and get people excited about pop potential careers that, you know, take things to the next level, you know? But, oh. you know, the Boeing... It, it's not the Boeing Museum, but it started because of the Boeing employees. Wow, that's cool. That's yeah. very cool. We only have about a minute left here, so Ralph, I want to say we appreciate so much Thank you for coming. You're being part of the West yeah. Coast Italian Radio Network and our Italian radio show today. Anything you'd like to leave us with here, just a little something to say to people? Well, I'll tell you. I, I feel at home here. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. All right. You well, know? the door is always open. Yeah, absolutely, you're, you're welcome back anytime, anytime you want to come. La porta aperta. Marzia. Nothing. I want to still thank thank him to be here and thank you for what he did. So <laughs> to bring these beautiful things that the past in from Italy here. And again, sorry guys, I was late. Next week I will be here on time and make sure that Tony be quiet for half an hour. It's okay. You fed That's me. I'm happy, <laughs> folks. Thank you so much. Make sure you Ciao. get down and check out the Museum of Flight at Boeing. It's going to be a blast, and we appreciate so much you listening to us. We appreciate all of our sponsors. God bless you all. We'll be back next Monday with a brand new show here on West Coast Italian Radio Network. Buona, molto buono Buona settimana. Buona settimana. Ciao. Very story. Oh, my. But all